So there was just this whole world of people, and I wanted to know more. I was hungry. So my idea was, well, let's. there's no information about this. There's nothing published. Why don't I start a newsletter, a magazine? Off-gassing, a scuba podcast with host Nick Hogel. I'm willing to make a bet you can guess what magazine my next guest started. Michael Menduno, known by many as M2, has had quite the impact in the scuba diving world. Have you heard of technical diving? In this episode, I get a chance to sit down with Michael and hear about his exit from the tech world to becoming one of the most well-known diving journalists of our time. How his curiosity of the deep helps him create a meeting place for early technical divers to share their stories and exchange ideas and his current role as co-founder and editor-in-chief of In-Depth, the online scuba diving magazine. Michael, how are you doing this morning? Doing really well. Good to, good to see you, Nick. Good to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Super good to meet you. So you are in the Southern California area. Correct. Yep, in uh, Palm Springs. Palm Springs, the desert. We call it the desert. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely, lovely area. It does get hot. I, I lived in Big Bear Lake for a little bit, so I do know the area a little bit. Um, my aunt used to live in Palm Springs, but mm. yeah, e- either way, um, yeah, she had a Thai restaurant uh, So a long, long time ago. But yeah, so I've been there very little bit, but Southern California I know pretty well. So on the show today, I usually start with the question, tell me about how and why you got into diving, that first experience underwater, that first breath. Was it yep. just love at first breath or was <laughs> it, uh, what is this What is this whole thing called scuba diving? Okay. So I, I grew up, I was always a, a water baby, uh, swimming in the pool from early age. I guess I always wanted to learn to dive. You know, I grew up watching Jacques Cousteau and, and Sea Hunt, uh, the show Sea Hunt and all that. So, But it wasn't until I came out to California to go to graduate school, uh, school at Stanford that I was, uh, you know, got the, got the notion, hey, I can, I can go learn to dive. There's an ocean nearby. I remember my first breath underwater it was at Raleigh's Scuba, I think, in Redwood City. And it was on a regulator in the pool, and it was just magic. It was like, Oh my God, this is the coolest thing in the world. And, uh, you know, I never looked back. So I, uh, that, that was, I, I don't even want to say when that was because it'll reveal my old, very old age, but, uh, it was a long time ago. It was in the seventies, 1976. I got certified okay. in 1976. So it's, it's a ways. <laughs> How's the water there? Is it pretty cold in Redwood City? Northern California. Well, this was the pool, but then we did all our open water dives over in Monterey, uh, Cannery oh, Row. Okay. I can remember my scuba instructor, you know, we're there and rented seven mil wetsuits, freezing our ass off. <laughs> I think it was winter, actually. And, uh, you know, the visibility of this one place called Breakwater where they take all the students, you know, the visibility by the time you get classes there is like a foot. And I can remember my instructor saying, it gets better than this. It really does. You know, and... <laughs> And he was he was right. It really does. So uh, I stuck with it, and uh, yeah, that that was my entry into diving. Okay, so there must have been definitely a draw there. So what, were you just 
continuing courses? Like, talk about your progression, I guess I want to say into technical. Yeah, yeah. So at that time, it was kind of in uh, in segments. So that initial time, I uh, got very into diving. You know, I got my kind of kept doing classes. I got up to my Patty Dive Master class. But then I went away for a while on an internship to Washington, D.C. Uh, the grad school had a cooperative arrangement with uh, the Congress, actually. So I went and worked in the Senate for a few years and then ended up coming back to uh, Silicon Valley working in uh, high tech. So I got involved. There was a group called Cordell Expeditions. It was a bunch of software engineers who bought a boat. They were all scuba divers. And so they were doing these bio, bio citizen science, bioassays of the deep sea mounts off the coast of Northern California, Big Sur, etc. And they had this project. They were looking for volunteers. It was to do deco diving, which at the time was, you know, like the D word, we call the four letter word, you should never do decompression diving. So that was going on. And it was deeper. It was, I, I think we we're at 50 meters. So deeper than 30 meters, 40 meters, which you should never, there's nothing to see below 40 meters. That's what they'd say back then. So it was a bit out there. Uh, you had to qualify for the dives, get your doubles and all that. And I did. And we went and did these dives and they, and, 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 the practices back then were pretty poor. I mean, we didn't have oxygen or any gas for decompression. We were just on U.S. Navy ta air tables, you know, etc. But still, it was just magical. It got me, it's like, man, this is the greatest thing. And so my first instinct was to write about, to research and write about it. Uh, I wanted to be a writer. I ended up doing this story and no one would publish it. I mean, I, I took it to every English speaking dive magazine and they said, oh, you, you can't do that. You're not supposed to be at 50. I mean, you're not supposed to do decompression diving. And eventually I got a guy, Ken Lois from Discover Diving and they agreed to run the story. It was my first published story and uh, with all sorts of caveats and warnings and sport divers should never do this, etc. But that got me going. And what I learned from that was that there are all these groups secretly doing these deep dives uh, in the East Coast. Uh, there were the wreck divers on the Doria and places like that. In cave country, people were doing cave dives. All Most cave dives are in Florida anyway, are decompression dives, etc. So there was just this whole world of people, and I wanted to know more. I was hungry. So my idea was, well, let's, there's no information about this. There's nothing published. Why don't I start a newsletter, a magazine, uh, to talk about this? And that was the birth of Aquacore. In, uh, I started it in 1989, and I put out my first issue at DEMA, uh, the Diving Equipment Marketing Association, the annual trade show, in 1990. In those days, DEMA was in January, first first month of the year. So in January 1990, I had my first issue of Aquacore uh, called Under Pressure, and I had all these signs, you know, do you do deep diving? Do you do decompression diving and at DEMA? And we, we kicked off. So uh, I remember... A contingent from Patty, led by Al Hornsby, who was then a vice president, came and they 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 looked at the signs kind of with wide eyes and they started picking up the magazine and you know was talking <laughs> about deep diving and decompression diving and kind of stormed off and you know that was that, that was kind of my launch of uh, Aquacore. When you published your first story. Was that something that was just kind of a, a, a hobby that you've always wanted to do was write? Or how, how did you just decide? I was, I was kind of going through a midlife crisis. I was uh, in the IT, you know, in the high tech world. So I, I was working for a company called Timeshare, which was the 
predecessor of the internet. They had a network service called TimeNet and cloud computing. It was the predecessor of cloud computing. So I, I was working for them, but I, I had this desire. I was kind of going through a midlife crisis and I wanted to become a writer. That was my desire. And diving was happening at the same time. So my, my writing life and my diving life kind of coincided. I kind of started my journalist career in diving. So I'm a dive journalist uh, from from my origins, I guess you'd say. So that's awesome. So I uh, started this podcast, and it for various reasons. I mean, you know, when we all get on the dive boat or the dive site, we just love meeting other people, right. chatting with dive buddies. And I was like, man, I, I I do enjoy writing, but I don't know if I have the self confidence yet to like publish anything. But I was thinking about doing some stuff for my website. I'm like, oh, this would be really cool. But then there's just so many good writers out there, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know <laughs> what I should do. But no, that's awesome that you just you you found it, and you're like, man, I want to do this. Let's let's go for it. And then to bring it back forward a little bit, so at that Dima show, you know, the the Patty people just kind of stormed off. How was the reception to Aquacore in the beginning years? Was it, were people drawn to it? I'm, I'm sure there was a small crowd, but like, how did it eventually grow to what it became? Right. So definitely there was an interest because again, there were all these groups doing diving court beyond the limits or what the limits of the time were and experimenting, right? With deep air diving and other things. Uh, and mixed gas was just starting off pretty much in the cave country. Uh, mixed gas, you know, accelerated decompression, etc. So those are the things we talked about at Aquacore. In fact, the uh, our fee, our lead article was a piece by Dr. Bill Hamilton, a famous uh, the the late Dr. Bill Hamilton, a famous uh, diving physiologist who was instrumental in the tech community, helping us get tables and kind of transition to mixed gas technology. Because really, what was happening. Uh, and coming out of the computer industry, it was really clear to me, it was a technological revolution happening in diving, right? Mixed gas technology had been around for 60 years. I mean, the military developed mixed gas, helium helium diving, mixed gas technology to be able to go deeper because of the limits of air, right? Narcosis and oxygen toxicity. Then in the 1960s, the commercial divers picked it up as as oil field diving got deeper and deeper and started, you know, going beyond 60 meters, you know, 200 feet. Deep air diving just wasn't working very well. So they cut over to mix. And then finally, really, it started in the cave community, but people were pushing beyond the limits of air. And so they then went to mixed gas diving, trimix diving. And so that that's really what was happening. That's that's what technical diving was all about, right? It was the mixed gas diving revolution. So it was an exciting, exciting time. Rebreathers weren't on the market yet. And we really needed to get mixed gas together before before we moved on to rebreathers, which are sort of the ultimate mixed gas, you know, platform, really. I got off track. Our lead story at the time was from Bill Hamilton called Call It High-Tech Diving. We didn't know what to call it back then in the early days. So it was high-tech diving or I was calling it, you know, professional sport diving. We didn't know what to, to call <laughs> tech diving until a few years later when I came up with the term technical diving, which came out of rock climbing, actually. There was already a thing called technical climbing, right? People climbing rock faces and you could rate the faces and all that. And it just sort of had the right ring to it. So I used it in, in my magazine, Aquacore and sister publication, Technical Diver. 
and it just it stuck actually and and Patty was instrumental in helping it to stick at that time there was a lot of interest in this you asked so on the one hand people interested in this there's a lot of interest at the same time there was a lot of pushback because the recreational industry had built itself on the you know there's nothing to see below 130 feet and you should never do decompression <laughs> diving so that was the whole premise of recreational diving and we were beyond that people were pretty upset uh, at the time, some of the industry. And that's why we ended up with a new name, calling it technical diving, because they didn't want any part of us. Like, they're not with us, you know? And the fear was, <laughs> the fear was that many people would die and the government would step in and start regulating diving. Uh, the dive industry, the sport diving industry, had an exemption from OSHA, uh, which regulates uh, the Office of Safety and Health Administration. Uh, they regulate the workplace. So scuba has an exemption. And the fear was, you know, if we did not have a good safety record, uh, the government would step in and start regulating diving. Where did you go after or what, what happened after Aquacore? So I published Aquacore for six years. Uh, we added a t the tech conference. The idea was to you know make the magazine live. So uh, I launched the first tech conference in 1993. We had Tech 93, 94, 95, 96. I, I also started the first rebreather forum because we were all interested in getting rebreather technology, but it wasn't available. So we put together kind of an industry meeting to talk about rebreathers, how we can get them, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, that started that. But then by, by that point, um, yeah, I kind of ran out of money. Uh, a bunch of things happened. We grew. We went newsstand, which is horrible for cash flow. And I, I basically went out of business in 1996. Very sad. Right about the time when, you know, the tech tech really started taking off and rebreathers were just around the corner. So, And then I took a hiatus for quite a while until 2010 uh, when I came, I got back into diving and it was like, oh my God, I, I can't believe that I ever left and kind of restarted my, my, my latest efforts uh, as a writer and then starting a, a new magazine called In-Depth, which I started five years ago, which is sort of the aqua core of the 21st century. Yeah, no, I really, really enjoy In-Depth every time. Uh, I want to say I I don't maybe 2020 is when I started subscribing uh, to uh -huh, it online. Uh -huh. um, so no, I, I absolutely absolutely enjoy it. That's why I was really excited to to Thank have you. you on here. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, why why the hiatus? Why why the step back from diving? You know, uh, it got to the point it was just running the business and we were growing and we we're having money problems and it was just very stressful. And I'm not, I'm not really a business. I'm, I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not a business person at all. I'm an artist. And so, so it's just very stressful. And, but uh, through Aquacore, I met people at Wired Magazine, Scientific American, outside. So when Aquacore closed, um, I, I mean, I spent about six months trying to get money for it. I pitched it to Patty for Patty to buy Aquacore in the tech conference uh, to John Cronin, actually. He was still with us then. Uh, and they, ref they didn't want to. Pro probably good. It worked out. Uh, anyway, so... <laughs> I don't know. I was just burned out and needed a vacation. And then I started, you know, writing and, and, and went back into high tech. So, but every year, my cave instructor, a guy named Steve Gerard, I got cave certified in 1990, would call me up and say, Mike, you know, come on down to Mexico and go diving. And every year I would 
politely blow him off. And then finally in 2010, <laughs> he said, look, if you don't come down this year, I'm never, I'm not going to call you anymore. I'm not going to bother you. I'll just let you be. So I thought, okay, I'll come down. And I hadn't been diving for, God, I don't know, 10 years, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 years. And so I came down there and I thought, you know, we'll start off, you know, with singles in the ocean and then kind of work our way in the caves. He goes, ah, oh, forget that. You're a cave diver. And so we just went cave diving. My first dive in 10 years, cave diving. And uh, of course, Mexico is pretty benign. But, uh, and it was like, why did I ever leave? This is so cool. So that kind of got me started back on the, the path and uh, been in diving and publishing ever since. So, yeah. So tell me a little bit about your, your cave training. How, how was all, you did that all in Mexico? Well, so I, 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 my certification actually was in uh, Florida. So I got certified in Florida and then made it down to Mexico. My instructor, Steve Gerard, who's retired now from diving, but a controversial, well-known figure in Mexico and other places, then moved to Mexico. So I, I followed him down there. Oh, okay. um, I always, I mean, cave diving, Cave divers to me were the, you know, they were the, whereas the wreck divers, you know, with the hammers and chisels and saws were kind of the wreckers. <laughs> the cave divers were really the the philosophers, you know, and I was always really respectful of cave diving, really excited to get cave certified. And, you know, really back in the day, we'd say, if you want to be a tech diver, you should take a cave diving class, just even if you don't want to cave dive, just for your experience, because they, they had it pretty well together, right? They had the configuration sorted out. Mixed gas technology really started in the cave community because of the ease of caves, right? You can stage gas along the way. It's, it, it, it's easier operationally. So they were really the first ones uh, to start using mixed gas. Um, and that eventually then led to diving in the the mixed revolution, if you will. So, so when you when you picked diving back up, were you, did you do, I'm, I'm assuming you got, were you continuing with your courses or training or were you just kind of like? Well, so I, so I got back to diving and that's when I uh, kind of hooked up with Global Underwater Explorers, GUE. So I took uh, Fundies, which is their fundamental class that leads all to all places. And Fendi's teaches, you know, buoyancy and trim and, you know, basic deco procedures and, and all that good stuff. So then after that, I sort of continued on the, the GUE. Well, I went back and forth because I also went uh, to rebreathers then. I got certified on the inspiration. I think I did that first, actually. I went to, to rebreathers. I participated in rebreather forum three which was held in 2012. I had done the first two, um, and then this one was 10 years later in 2012. Uh, and after that, I got into GUE and started doing the GUE training. So I'm a GUE tech diver. And uh, the magazine really came out of uh, GUE. Uh, Jared Jablonski, the founder and president, and I had been old friends. And we started talking about the idea of you know, kind of resurrecting what Aquacore was, a, a magazine for the whole community, you know, that helped, helped us push the envelope. I mean, Aquacore is devoted to improving safety and performance. Those are the, that's everything, right? Safety and performance so we could go deeper and stay longer, right? That's, that's the whole history of diving. Go, go deeper, stay longer. Anyway, we started talking. And so then in 2000, January of 2019, we ended up launching In-Depth. And the idea of it was, that it was GUE's give back to the tech community and really a magazine for everyone. GUE has a membership magazine called Quest for GUE members. But again, this in-depth was going to be for everybody. So um, 
we've been just slowly growing it uh, these last, uh, we're in our fifth year now. So, Like I said, I really, really enjoy every time it comes out. And you definitely put a lot of different articles out there. So it's definitely, there's the tech side of it, but then I feel like there's a lot more to it. So I definitely think it, it is a magazine for anybody that's into diving. It's for, you know, mission-oriented diving professionals, yeah, instructors, people in the business. You know, it's, it's for people who care about diving in, in a deep way. <laughs> no, I actually just reached out to um, I reached out to an instructor. So I, I don't know if you, I'm based in Malaysia right now, <laughs> and I reached out to an instructor in Singapore about doing a fundamentals class. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I'm not the <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm not the biggest fan of uh, two tanks on my back. Older. But I definitely think it's a good skill set to have. Yeah. And I'm slowly venturing into the technical world. Obviously, yeah. it's not I'm not a big rush or anything. But yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to I haven't set a date or anything, but it's definitely in, in the cards for the right. future. So and you can do fundies in singles, too. I mean, there's you can do it in singles or doubles. People who do who want to get into tech, of course, do it in doubles because that's you know eventually if you're going to get into tech, you're going to ha- you're going to need more than one tank, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, basically. No, no, for sure, for sure. So, are are you still what rebreather are you diving currently? So uh, currently, I, I still the inspiration, but the Liberty. I, I have a DiveSoft Liberty computer uh, rebreather, which I like very much. Yeah, it's a really good unit. I think. I mean, there are okay. a lot of good rebreathers out there, but. The Liberties is certainly one of those, yeah. So I just took a, a, my my advanced nitrox decompression procedures class a few months back, and so now I'm kind of on the rebreathers are in my sights. Yep. I mean, what what is your thoughts on open circuit mixed gas diving? Do you think that's going to kind of go away with? Re- yeah. what, what are your thoughts the, on that? The, the big a big driver right now is helium prices. We are in what the the gas industry calls helium shortage 4.0. Um, it's 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 a you know it's a situation where right helium prices are very high. There are big reserves. You know, there's exploration going on there. There are huge reserves in Russia, which is problematic, and those those wells are down now. They're not operating, and of course, you know, with the war, uh, Russia is sort of a pariah now. So it's unclear when those supplies are going to get to market. So that is driving people to rebreathers because to do a do a deep dive, you're going to spend three, four, five hundred dollars on gas for a set of doubles. You know, I'm sure in Malaysia, uh, helium's quite expensive uh, all over the world. We did a piece not too long ago. In fact, it, we repushed it out today called uh, uh, "The Price of Helium Is Up in the Air," and it looks at helium around the world and the shortage. You know, so so that's not going to change. So I think it's going to continue to push people to rebreathers you know basically if you want to deep dive or do very long dives you need a rebreather because of gas efficiency you know it's just like that and i you know the prices are still high though that's that's the biggest limiting factor i mean you're going to spend you know eight thousand to twelve thousand dollars on a rebreather and then you got to get trained and 
So it costs some money, but in the long run, if you're going to do deep diving, it'll pay for itself. We we had an article, someone figuring if you're going to do 40 dives to say 50 meters and get trained for that on open circuit, you're better off just going to closed circuit. It'll pay for itself in, in gas savings. Being in the position that I'm in right now, it's it's a tough one because I'm right now I'm just kind of in the reading studying phase of rebreathers and and there is a lot of rebreathers, There's a lot, lot of good rebreathers on the market. So it's like. Yep. You know, why choose this one as opposed to that one or, um, you know, and, and so I've been talking to a few different people about, you know, what I think would be the best choice for me. But I think my, my next goal is to just try a few different units and, and just see what, yeah, what the deal is. Um, and, and actually, I, I just thought because I just thought of this question I wanted to ask a little bit earlier. What it, what are your thoughts on because I, I feel technology is becoming a lot more involved with diving, and I feel like there, there's. I don't want to say this, this old school approach. That I think that's the wrong, the wrong word for it. But um, how do you feel about technology in diving? So some people are opposed to it. Some people are for it. You know, like never use a transmitter. Never gonna do it. Some people are like love them. You know, just that like modern technology incorporated in diving. What are your thoughts on that? And it's interesting because GUE overall over the years has been very, uh, you know, not really for dive computers in the early days. Not for rebreathers and the you know the kind of keep it simple, stupid approach, right? D- diving tables, etc. I think it's changed though. You know, re- take any of these things. Dive computers have gotten super reliable. Uh, rebreathers, where twenty years ago uh, I can remember, I would I would get about half my dives. I had to either call or we never got in the water because of problems with the early rebreathers. But that's not the case anymore. So I, I think we're moving more towards acceptance of technology. Uh, that said, though, uh, there's a whole movement of manual, manually controlled closed circuit rebreathers, which are very popular, that really came out of the sport diving world. I mean, military divers don't don't dive with uh, manual closed circuit rebreathers. We do. So there's that movement. But, but I think there's generally more acceptance of technology, and we need it to go underwater. You know, and even the even the uh, the no technology people, the free divers, who run me. I'm thinking the free divers, they're the latest group now to go to mixed gas diving. You know, technical free diving, right? Pre breathe nitrox and then hold your breath because you can stay down longer and you're and you're presumably safer because you have you're you're less likely to go hypoxic. So technology is going to be with us as long as we want to go underwater, <laughs> and it's we're going to need it. You know, to keep going. So I, I haven't been diving for very long in, in, you know, the whole big picture. I started, my first dive was in 2016. So mm-hmm. very, very new in the big picture of things. And I feel that when I've started and going through my courses, technology, computers, you know, there, there's some really nice computers out there, transmitters, things like that. Um, even the the lights that are coming out just oh, really? the, the non-corded yeah. you know and yeah so i'm just kind of you know it, so going and taking training or courses some some instructors are all for it some are not for it and i'm like ah oh, it's kind of hard what do i do because um you know why am i not going to use this light that is really good people are i i don't want to say promoting it but promote promoting it you mm-hmm. know so i'm just like ah what do i do um so it's kind of a tough tough thing to navigate these days because a lot of these uh a lot of really skilled people that have been in the business for a long time i want to learn and soak Mm. everything up from them but then they're just like 
you know, SPGs, you got to use these. And I'm like, well, my transmitter hasn't failed me yet. <laughs> but yet, I mean, I, I don't know. So no, I was just, I was just curious about that. Because it, it's kind of a, a, a common question I've been asking a lot of people like, well, what are your thoughts on technology and stuff? And then uh, bring it, I'll bring it back just a little bit. So you started Key, Key West Divers, is that correct? Yep, yep. It was the first tech diving center in the world. A guy, there was a guy named Captain Billy Deans. He had a dive center, Key West Diver, longtime diver, spear fisherman, and deep diver. And him and his best friend, John Ormsby, went on the Andrea Doria in 1986. And John ended up, they were not, they were diving on separate teams, but John ended up diving by himself, getting tangled in the wreck and dying. And Billy ended up recovering his body. Um, and in fact, well, I'll tell you this. So, uh, and in fact, they, they videoed the recovery. So park that for a second. Anyway, after that, Billy decided there's got to be a better way to to do this. And, you know, people were getting bent and there were, you know, fatalities on the Doria. So he got involved in mixed gas. You know, he started learning mixed gas diving. He hooked up with Dr. Bill Hamilton, who had been helping some of the cave community, people like Bill Stone and Sheck Exley, um, to get tables and basically set up the first helium diving training program in Key West. There wasn't even a, a course for it yet. Uh, IANTD uh, had not really been set up yet. So you'd basically come down and just apprentice with Billy. You'd learn how to mix gas, you'd learn how to carry stage bottles, and you'd learn, you know, how, how, how we did what we did. You know, that's that kind of got it started. So and it was really a mecca for tech diving around the world. I mean, people all around the world came to to train with Billy and kind of learn his methods. And they would bring ideas with them, like doing this or doing that. I remember um, it was a big uh, information exchange in those days in the community as, as we taught ourselves how to do trimix diving, you know? In all of your years, who would you say had the, the biggest impact on you in diving, like the most influential... I mean, from the beginning till yesterday, this morning, is there a person that you can God, say that's... So many people. Well, you know, I've had the... <laughs> I, I, I've just been... I'm really grateful and have been fortunate to be in this position to get to work with and, and know and, and, and write stories with, you know, some of the, the top, you know, the top people, the Sheck Exleys, Dr. Bill Hamilton. Um, there was a guy, Lad Handelman, who actually helped me get Aquacore together. He was the founder of Oceaneering. He's passed now, but himself, Phil Newton, um, Billy Deans, um, I mean, Bill Stone. I mean, it just, it, it, it goes on, you know. I'm, I just feel really grateful to, yeah, be be in this position of getting to to know some of these people and all. You know, we just we have such an extraordinary community of of people, our pioneers who have, you know, think how far diving has come in in, in thirty years since since the nineteen eighties, when when forty meters was the limit and no D was the, the thing you did. Now people are diving to you know, beyond 200, you know, pushing 250 meters in cave dives, you know, 12 hour dives, deep shipwrecks. I mean, we're really, you know, and rebreathers have become the platform of choice. We've really taken it to an amazing level. I mean, Richard Harris, Dr. Harry, the guy who saved the Thai kids, the anesthesiologist, he just did the world's first hydrogen dive on a rebreather at 230 meters in Pierce Resurgence Cave with the idea that this might be the 
technology to allow people to now explore from the 250 meter to the 350 meter range. So, you know, 800 plus feet to over a thousand feet. That, that is kind of the new range. You know, it's, it's not everyone's doing that. It's just the very, <laughs> the very uber few, you know, just the very top, but we're doing, it's our community doing that. So it's, it's just, it's just amazing. Yeah. Uh, out of all the type of dives that you mentioned, what's a what's an ideal day of diving for you? Like, what's just a I'm gonna go out and have a fun day. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a, you know a rebreather, single tank, <laughs> free dive. What is it? What is it? You know, I've gotten to the point now where just being in. I mean, I was swimming this morning. Just being in the water is good. So I mean, I I, I love it all. I I tend to I I found in in my advancing years that warmer water seems really nicer to me now <laughs> and, and clearer water seems really nicer to me now. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I love cave, di- cave diving. I love cave diving. I'm thinking right now it'd be great to be in Mexico and go cave diving today, but that's good. But then but then you have, you know, the ocean too. So I, I really like it all. There's there's not one thing I like to do. And, and I'm kind of a guy who likes variety. So I, yeah, I, I need a little of everything, but any dive would be good right now. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. No, I'm a, I think at, at heart, I just, I want warm water. I, I haven't been in super cold water. Um, and I have not, I've been in caverns, not caves. Um, but I definitely am looking into the overhead environment. Um, I just, uh, I did an advanced rec course and that was, mm-hmm. that was a lot of fun. Yep. And, um, I, I plan to go back to Mexico to do some, uh, my cave training. Um, so yeah, it's definitely in the it. cards. It's just a matter of, yeah. a matter of time. So it's beautiful. It's such a beautiful environment. So different and like going to another world you know i mean being underwater is sort of another world but caves are are just remarkable and unique yeah yeah do you get much diving uh in southern california over there yeah i i do catalina and and out here is 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 great diving though the last year or two just with travel i I probably dive more other places than i've dived locally (laughs) (laughs) go figure you know but uh yeah (laughs) and then uh i was also reading you you play music I do. I'm a. I, all my basses over here. I'm. I'm a bass player. Yes, love music. Yeah. So I. I, I play electric bass. Uh, my actually my my preferred is a, a five string fretless bass, fretless electric. I play jazz, blues, rock. I, I read, so I, I really enjoy doing shows. Uh, are fun, and uh, I, I I haven't been very active playing in the last few years, just because since the since the pandemic, really, well, all the gigs went away. But I've been more focused on journalism, on on the magazine and and that stuff. So, uh, but I'm sure it'll it'll come back around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who who's your uh, top bassist? Who who would you have to? Oh God, name? God. <laughs> There's again so so many. I can only think of like one or two. I can only think one right now off the top of my head. I know doesn't Les Claypool plays Les a fretless yeah, bass? Him, yep. Uh, Jaco Pistorius. Um, uh god just yeah lots of people so <laughs> yeah i've seen i've seen claypool play a long time ago a long long time ago and uh ah uh, there was a band uh who was it um he was with you ever heard of oysterhead no oysterhead huh no i haven't uh it, it's less claypool 
I want to say Stuart Copeland on drums and then Trey Anastasio from Fish on guitar. Oh wow! Uh, it's it's a cool little band. You should check them out sometime. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think they maybe put out two albums, but uh, yeah, Claypool. I've seen him, and he always puts on he always puts on a, a nice, really good show. Nice. I mean, it's been years since I've seen him. Are you a player as well? Do you play music? No, 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 no. I used to go to a lot of concerts when I was younger, and so I've seen a lot of different, you know, just bassists, musicians, um, and so, yeah, there's always just a few a few that stuck out from me, and I, I just remembered when you said fretless, I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure Les Claypool plays yeah. a fretless bass, and he puts on an amazing show. Like, his stage presence is just Mm. absolutely phenomenal like you you can't sit down at one of his yeah, shows so nice. yeah. um so uh have you ever have you ever been to the austin texas there's like a pretty big music scene i down have there. yeah I, I was there for a business conference i don't know a while back ago and uh, yeah the music scene there was amazing it was before the pandemic too so yeah music everywhere it was really it was really fun yep so what advice as someone that's you know, uh, uh, been in the journalism world, scuba journalism. What advice would you have for a small but up and coming podcast to try to get out there and get those interviews? And and what what advice could you give, yeah, basically, yeah. to me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, think big. <laughs> go, yeah. Get go go go. You know, follow your passion. Go talk to the people that uh, get you inspired and that you're you know, want to talk to. For myself, I tend to try to do the things that get me excited, that get me inspired, the people that I'm amazed by, you know, and uh, that's sort of my criteria for going after things. So I, I would say the same, follow, follow your passion. You know, the things that get you excited will get other people excited. So, you know, go that route. Social media, I think, is becoming really important. We're just... I just added a uh, marketing and sales director to in-depth and the first thing she's done is really put us big time on social media and I can see already the circulation climbing. So I would say for a podcast as well, if you're out there, you know, so, so people can find you because there's, you know, there's a lot of noise out there, as you know, with everything coming at us 24-7. Yeah, getting out there. We'll definitely, I'll add you to our podcast story in in-depth so people can find you that way and add a link. So Yeah, no, that that would be amazing. I'm, I'm definitely not going to lie, the, the social media, because I've never been great at it. So I, um, I'm like, okay, I got to definitely learn this side of it and and the whole marketing side. So, but no, it's, it, man, it's been a lot of fun so far i've i've really gotten some cool interviews uh, i actually was able to do an interview with bill stone which was awesome uh did an interview with richard pyle um i actually reached out to uh jared uh jared uh, I, I feel like i want to butcher his last name jablon jablonski is that how jablonski name? yep Yep, yep. Jablonski. Yeah, I reached out to him. He he replied, uh, but I mean, a lot of people they're just super busy running around the world. So he's traveling um, right now. Yeah, I think um, he's in Brazil or somewhere. Yeah, Indonesia. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, oh, but he replied, which was really cool. And um, so it's it's really cool to kind of like what you were saying, just meet these these big figures, these knowledgeable people, and just kind of pick their brain a little bit and and just get to know like, oh man, I you know here's the question that I have for you or mm -hmm. just, it's, it's just nice. Cause you know, even though I'm not on a boat with them or at the dive site, it's kind of like, 
you know, diving brings this community together, this group of people yep. together. So it's it's just super awesome. So do you have any big trips planned for the future? What's your next big trip planned? Right right now is, is kind of a, a quiet year, but the, but the big trips, I'm going to go to dive talks in the fall. Uh, I'm, I'm going to actually go to the DiveSoft Liberty Summit. They bring all their instructors and ambassadors together. We're going to meet in Malta. And then I'm going to go off to dive talks and uh, give a presentation at dive talks my first time there. Uh, in Portugal, okay. uh, Lisbon. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And then, of course, uh, Demo will be in New Orleans this year. So that will be exciting. Uh, and we have the GUE's 25th anniversary in a conference right the weekend before Dima. So those are some of the things awesome. I'm going to do. And I'm hoping to get back to Mexico for some diving sometime soon. So <laughs> when you go to these conferences, do you try to get some diving in or is it just mostly business? Yeah, d- depending where. Like Lisbon, I'm definitely going to. You know, or New Orleans for Dima is not, but uh, the GUE conference, yeah. Well, they'll have. Uh, I'll probably go a week early and do some cave. It's in High Springs, and they'll have Cave Fest, so I'll probably do that. And then Dima, though, well, uh, in, D- in in New Orleans, there won't be any diving. But awesome, man, awesome. And then uh, last question before I let you go: any any top? What would you say the top? tier of your diving has been like is there any standout moments that have just like man that was that was the the one certainly some cave dives i mean i've I've had some memorable cave well well both again just when you ask me that i go oh yeah okay oh yeah but then there's the wilkes bear i remember the but then there's that deep wall in bone so yeah so nothing (laughs) nothing stands out i mean it's you know it's 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 being in that beautiful environment with people you care about i mean i you know, diving is, for me, it's a very social activity, too, like being with your friends and being able to share some of these incredible places, you know, be it Poor Nights Island in New Zealand or Eagle's Nest Cave in Florida or, you know, the Wilkes-Barre Shipwreck, something cool like that. So, um, what, uh, I, I, What's the Wilkes-Barre Shipwreck? Oh, the Wilkes-Barre, uh, that, that was, that, that's more of an historical wreck. Uh, that's in Key West. That was Billy Dean's our key training wreck down to about, uh, I think to the sand, it was 265 feet. So, you know, 70 plus meters oh, wow. and, and uh, nice. And the smoke, the smokestack came up to uh, 90 feet. So, so you had a, a lot of relief and uh, yeah, some fun stuff. So back from my, my youth, I remember that still fondly. <laughs> <laughs> and then Cozumel. Cozumel is one of my favorite places. Uh, that's another. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Cozumel's nice. Uh, I, I've been there a couple times, and yeah, definitely, because um, I, I moved to Malaysia from Austin, Texas, so Cozumel is pretty much the backyard over there. You're just a couple-hour flight from Austin right down into Mexico, so uh, yeah, no, I really, really do enjoy I mean, that whole area is beautiful. Cozumel, Tulum, Playa, um, it, it's just, it's a good time. Good food, good diving. I mean, you really can't go wrong. We We did these fun dives last year. We did this. I'd never done this before. This was memorable. It was a, a, a tech dive, but drift tech dive. So you, you barrel down the wall. You know, we're, we, we are breathing a Trimix and stage bottles. And then you just basically ride your way up and do all your deco just drifting it was just a blast it was really and and you know the currents are up and down so it was it was it was challenging it was just a lot of fun so awesome man awesome well michael thank you very very much for coming on to the show i really really appreciate it and um i really 
hope to be able to, to meet up with you in the future and, and you know, yep. just hang out, actually meet you face to face. So thank you once again for coming on to the show. Thank you. It was really good to be here, Nick. Thanks so much. Off-gassing, a scuba podcast.